What's up? How's everybody doing? Awesome. 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 Man, I got to tell y'all, I'm pumped up. Uh, the first service was fantastic, and this is just taking it to another level. Um, I'm grateful for our worship team, man. We are, we are certainly blessed. And, uh, but I'm, I'm most pumped up today because uh, this sermon series, I, I just believe God's given us a, a, a message to tell. And so if you've missed, uh, if today's your first time, first I want to tell you how pumped up we are that you're here. And then I want to tell you about this sermon series that we're doing called The Four Point Stance. So far, we gave the opening, which was, we are four points. Some of you, y'all might see some of those shirts around, we are four points church. And all that means is we exist, our purpose of this church. So when you come in, first thing that you might see is that sign, we exist to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely with the gospel. That's what we do. That's why we're here. And everything in this series is now based on that being the foundation. And then week two was we're a hospital, not a hotel. That we're a place that helps the sick and hurting and not a wonderful hotel country club for the healthy people. And then last week, we're going to be real. We're going to be authentic. And so it leads us up to where we are today. And I don't know of the series if this is the one I'm most excited about, but I can promise you this. It's the most Pentecostal message of the series because I'm, I'm going to leg kick and get crazy today. Uh, so before I flip this over and before I talk about it, this is what I want you all to do. I need everybody's participation, so I want everybody to look at me. I need you to take your seatbelt. This, this seems elementary, but I need y'all to do it. And I need, I need y'all to click it in. So I'm actually going to need to hear you go. Ready? We're going to do it on the count of three. For real, I need everybody's. This is important because y'all are going to get out of your seat, and it's going to get crazy if you don't do it. Y'all ready? One, two, three. Y'all did good. Okay, that's good. Will y'all pray with me? God, uh, we want to have some fun this morning. I want to have a really good time and act funny and laugh uh, at my stories that I'm going to tell about my uh, family most importantly, though, God, I pray that we can evaluate honestly where we are with you. And if we love because you first loved us, or so we get you off our back and maybe you don't hate us. God, just help us. I pray that each and every person will not think about anybody else and only themselves. God, we love you so much and we're thankful for all that you do for us, and we're, we're really excited. We're really excited. We're going to have some fun today, God, but we're really pumped. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right, I'm going to turn this over. I hope it doesn't blind anybody. If this is this week's. If it blinds you, then just kind of, you know, I'll try to turn it a little bit. Kelly, it looks like that's you and Jordan, and let's see. Maybe that. Mm, good. Okay. So, it's close enough. All right, someone's blinded, but you're welcome. All right, so this week, we will love God and love people. We will authentically love God with our hearts, minds, and souls, and we will show his love by loving others as a result. Now, that sounds awesome, right? And we've heard that before. If y'all have been around the Christian community, if this is not your first time coming to a church, you've seen shirts that say, love God, love people. This is something that's been talked about for a long time. Like, this is nothing new, and this is awesome. But like, when I look at this, and we decided as a staff and as leadership, like, this is one of the things that we believe the culture should be, that we believe your culture and your home should be. That should be our culture. It's awesome. We, we all agree. But what does that really look like? What does it mean? Like, and why did Jesus say what he said in Matthew 22? Like, so ultimately, where is it? And so when I was thinking about this, I started thinking about uh, me, bad news. And then I started thinking about my kids and, and kind of how they act. Now, we have two children. If, if today's your first time, you don't know this. If, if it's not, you've heard this a bunch. 
because I talk about them a lot because they give plenty of material to talk about. So we have Haston, who is two. Woo. <laughs> it's awesome. And then we have Lainey, who's six, who really is obedient. She's like, she's not like me. She's a rule follower, and I'm, yeah, I'm not a rule follower. So, like, it's, it's awesome. I, I'm thankful. Matter of fact, just when we had Lainey, we decided that we were the best parents ever. I'm just being honest with y'all because we're keeping it real, right? And so we'd walk into restaurants, and we'd be like, man, those are the worst parents ever. Like, why can't they discipline their kid? If y'all have a good kid, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you have Mark, and in this case, my two-year-old Haston, I, like, I don't want to go out to eat ever. Like, I'm, oh, I'm just like, Leah, let's just, like, freeze meals for the next 365 days and never leave the house, and maybe he'll be 15 soon, and then 21, and then he'll be out, and it'll be good. So for the next 20 years, let's just freeze meals. But Lainey's the opposite. Seriously, it's crazy. She sins and all the time, but she, she just follows the rules. And part of the reason she's scared to death of me, it's like a reverent, because I'm big. I don't know what it is. I don't know why she's scared of me. But it's like if y'all grew up in a house with a mom and dad, and I, I know some people didn't, but for some reason, typically, not always, you're more scared of your dad than your mom. And I know it's like a little bit of a mixture of he's big and maybe he'll hit me. And that's not really it with us. But anyway, by the way, this is free. We do give spankings. And y'all don't have to give spankings, but you can be wrong. I mean, if you don't want to give spankings, it's cool. But the Bible says that you should spare the rods for the child. I'm not saying beat your kid. I'm not saying use your hand. I'm not saying go crazy. Anyway, you should do that. It's good. So anyway, if you don't, it's fine. It's fine for real. Uh, if you do time out, that's good. And then they'll spend a lot of time in another time out and whatever. So that's good. So anyway, that's beside the point. That's, that's, that's free. But, like, typically Lainey's good, but, like, every once in a while, this is, this is so weird. The only time that I can pick out that it's consistently she's bad is in the mornings. And it's always for Leah. Leah goes to school with Mommy. Mommy teaches at Woodruff. She goes to school with Woodruff with Leah. They, and almost every morning she gives Leah a fit to get ready. If I have to get up, it is not good. And, like, somehow she doesn't even hit the ground. She goes so fast when she knows that I'm coming. But she pushes the envelope as far as she can until I have to come almost every day. It's so annoying. And if I hear it, I sleep like a bear. I am out. If I hear it, I am not happy. And I get up and I look in the door and I don't even say anything. Seriously? Like, I don't, I don't even have to say seriously anymore. I just look in. Oh, sorry, Daddy, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And, like, her hair is getting brushed, and her clothes are going on, and everything else is happening, and her teeth are brushed, all at the same time. It's amazing. It's like a, a magic show meets six-year-old girl. Just, poof. But up until that point, she's, she's doing everything she can to push Leah's buttons and to push the envelope, and it's in the mornings. And I'm like, why? And I try to go reinforce Leah and tell her Leah's the boss, and I'm... Leah's really my boss too, but that's whatever. But like, I try to, I try to just enforce everything and, and love on Leah and Lainey at the same time. And, but she does whatever she can, especially in the morning, to push the envelope, to take it a little bit farther. Now, isn't that kind of like us? Isn't that sort of what we do in life in general? Not all of you are like me, where you weren't rule followers. Some of you were like Lainey's, and thank God for you, because if we had all me's, oh my goodness. But like, even if you're a rule follower, Listen to this. Even if you're a rule follower, you still do what you are allowed to get by with at some point in time, whether it's your job, whether it's at home, whatever it is, you do what you're allowed to get by with. And that's sort of what we think about when we think about God, too, isn't it? When we think about God, most of the time, 
until you have matured, and I don't even know if it's matured is the right word, until you've started figuring out what it means for God to love you and then for him to love me in spite of what I am. This is what I think. This is what I think. What is the bare minimum that I need to do so God's happy with me in my life? What do I need to do? And on the flip side, what we say is, ultimately, what can I do that won't tick God off so bad that he won't hate me, right? I mean, it seems so foolish, and when we say that, we're like, no, I know God loves me. But honestly, human nature says we're going to do what we can get by with and do what we have to do to get by, right? We're going to do what we can get by with, and we're going to only do what we have to do to get by. That was me in school. I'm not, I'm not proud of that now. I wish I could go back and change that, but I did just enough in school to be able to be eligible for basketball. I made C's on a good day, and like, <laughs> like we got by. I'm not proud of that. I wish I could go back, but, but that was my nature coming out. I cared more about basketball. I was going to do what I had to do to get by. That's what we do every day, and it's where the tension starts building up. It's where the tension starts building up. I, do I do for God enough to get by, and I don't even know what that means. I, I read the Bible, and I look at these laws, and I, I'm just like, some of them are weird and not weird, and do I do, or does everything change, and I, and I do what I do for a reason, and there's not a, there's not a scale, there's not a balance. It's just, it's just love. It's just love, and that's what every person has to answer. That's what I want you to answer. If you, if you leave with one thing today, this is what I want you to leave with. You decide every day in your heart religion or relationship. You decide every day in your heart, religion or relationship. Now, this, this seems so silly, mainly because religion is what we're doing, right? There, there's 100 plus people, adults in the room right now, and you're thinking to yourself, we are practicing Christianity, which is a religion. So that's the, that's the one I want to choose, right? That's what I want to choose. Let me just tell you about religion. This is, this is a definition that I'll give you of religion in its truest sense of the word. Religion believes is something that I do. Something that I do. Religion is something that I do. So, for instance, let's, let's look at the Muslims. I'm not picking on them. I'm not mad at them. Seriously, and I'm not trying to make a joke. It, it is what it is. But let's look at the Muslims. Muslims believe that my good things, what I do by serving Allah, Muhammad is is the guy that came up with it, 667 A.D., Mecca. Y'all can study all this stuff. If I do good things and it's good enough, I am justified. That word, let me just simplify it. Just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never done anything wrong before the eyes of God, that's how I get to that point, right? So if I do good things, I'll get there. Listen, if I do really good things, I'll get even higher. And if I do really, 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 really good things, I'll be at the highest point in heaven you can possibly be because there's different stages. And so you've, you've probably seen tongue-in-cheek in this country, since we don't have as many Muslims as other countries, that you've probably seen, like, uh, different things, making fun of it or something. I have uh, seven virgins in heaven. No, that's legit. That's, that's literally what they believe for men at, who, who are the highest being. If, if we can, this is what they believe, not me, so don't throw rocks. If they, if they believe, like, if you do certain things, then you'll be even higher and higher and higher, and ultimately this is how you celebrate heaven. It's totally what I do that justifies me. What I do justifies me. So, for instance, you wonder why the jihadists, which are the extremists, do what they do. Why would someone fly a plane into a building? If I convinced you there's about 1.2 billion Muslims, about 300 million of them are jihadists. 
If I could convince you that the only way that you could have freedom and be justified in the next life was by doing something crazy and extreme for God against Allah, in their case, against everyone who is against Allah, and if you did it for him, he would justify you in the highest level, one or two of you may say, I'm in. I'll do it. That's how it happens. They believe what they do justifies them. Now, a lot of you are thinking, that's nuts, and you would be right. I agree with you. And yet, this is what scares me. This is what scares me. We believe that's a little bit off, right? We believe that's a little bit crazy. And yet, in the 2012, and y'all can look it up today, in the 2012 George Barna survey of American Christians, that was a scientific survey, 2,000 people from all different states that called themselves evangelicals, that's us, that believed that Jesus is the way to heaven, supposedly, they were, they were st- surveyed. This is what they said. 43% believe that Jesus is the way to heaven. Meaning at the end of our lives, when we stand before God, the way that I am justified, just as if I'd never sinned, that I'm free, is by a relationship with Christ. Now, we're not talking about people that are not Christians. We're talking about us. This is us. This is, this is the people in this room. Some of you I know probably wouldn't call yourself a Christ follower. We're so glad that you're here. But for every person that's a four-pointer or, or this is where you come every week, this is us. This is the 43%. That means 57 out of 100 have other answers. And they include stuff like this. 10% said, if I follow the Ten Commandments. Listen, following the Ten Commandments is awesome. Following the Ten Commandments is awesome. It's something we should aim for. Those are all good things. It's a way to honor God. But that doesn't justify me. It doesn't free me. That's, that's, that's not it. 10% believe if I do my best, then it outweighs the bad. That's another 10% if my good outweighs my bad. Like 7 or 8%, I can't remember the exact number. 7 or 8% believe that everybody goes to heaven, it doesn't matter what. And these are us. This is our people. We want to reach the world, but listen to this carefully. We want to reach them out there, but unless we answer this question, religion, or relationship, it's pointless to me. This is my opinion. This is the biggest mission field in America today. We can't take back America until we take back the church. That's the biggest mission field. I, 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 forgive me, this is a rant. I, I get tired of all these posters. Let's take back America. Let's take back America. Let's, 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 let's do the church. That would be a novel idea. What if 100% of the church knew what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus? No, that's it. That's it. And yet, it goes against human nature completely. Because relationship is defined as, it's not about me. It's not what I did. It's what he did in me. It's about me trusting him as Savior, but it's about what he did by purchasing me with his blood, by setting me free. He justifies me through what he does and not what I do. All that I do is simply yield to him as my Lord, and that's it. Now, as a human being, and especially as a man, that's hard. That's hard, because I want to fix me. When I have problems, when my family has problems, when you guys have problems, I want to fix it, right? I'm a fixer. I'm a fixer. I'm going to go... Sometimes it gets really bad when I try to fix stuff, <laughs> like yesterday when I put drywall screws in my car, but that's beside the point. But, like, I want to fix stuff. It fixed it, though. I'm just telling y'all, it fixes it. If y'all do a one-inch drywall screw in your dash and it's loose, it's good. I can show y'all. But, like, I want to fix stuff. I want to fix it. Like, I, I want to go out and I want to make sure everything's right. It's not about you. This is where I think the church has a train wreck problem. Religion, a relationship. What I do makes me justified. I'm going to go on a mission trip. God will love me. I'm going to give to the church. I'm going to give 10%. You're welcome, God. Look what I'm doing for you. I'm going to serve. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Maybe God won't hate me. 
And so love God, love people, it's, it's such a tension because it's not our culture. It's like, I don't know. And then in the time of Jesus, there were religious leaders called Sadducees and Pharisees and scribes and all these people. And they were very wise. They knew the in first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy by heart. They, they knew the Bible. And they believed what I do justifies me. And they came up to Jesus one day in Matthew chapter 22, and they were like, look, look, you know all these, all these scriptures. I want to know what makes me right before you. Like, what is it? What is it that makes me clean? Because I want to know what's, what's the most important commandment. I want you to just see this. Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 34. If you have your Bible, that's awesome. But it'll be right here. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, so Jesus was like, I got y'all. Hammered. They went and hid. They were sad. The Sadducees were kind of secondary. They were more worldly. The Pharisees were even greater. They considered themselves better. They were like, these dudes are dumb. Watch this. They gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, and so they were smart. They gathered the lawyer. They brought him to the forefront. They said, hey, hey, lawyer, why don't you go, why don't you go and, and you can stump Jesus? Great idea, by the way. Uh, and they said, uh, and the lawyer asked him a question to test him. Teacher, teacher, which is interesting that Sadducees that were the head guys looked at Jesus and they called him teacher because they obviously recognized who he was and the authority that he had without him having to explain it. It's pretty awesome. Which is the great commandment in the law. Which is the great commandment in the law. Now, here's what's interesting about that. These guys were experts in the law. Experts. They knew there were 613 laws. They knew all the laws by heart. They knew there were 248 positive and 365 negative laws. They knew which law was, was light and which law was heavy, and they separated it out. And they lived. Their lives were determined by the law. Like, I can't imagine knowing 613 do's and don'ts, right? 613. I can't keep up with five, and I screw all five up all the time, right, if there's five. They knew them by heart, and they knew which one was positive and negative, 365 negative. That means I can do one a day and I'm good, right? Anyway, that's just how my mind works. But, like, then the light and the heavy, this is what's important. They separated them and they said the light ones, they're really not important. The heavy ones, they're really important. Really important. These are the ones that we got to keep the light ones. We'll just shove to the side. It's like a little white lie, a little tiny gossip. It's just telling someone, but we're praying for them. Like, it's not really that big of a deal. It's just, it's just eating too much at, 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 at meals, which... I've been guilty of my entire life, and like that, but that's not a big deal, right? We sweep it under the rug. It's kind of like this. This is the way my mind works. If I walked in here today and said I, ha I was addicted to heroin, it would blow y'all's minds, and y'all would be like, dude, we got to get you some help. If I walked in here today and said pain pills is something I've been addicted to, we're like, bless his heart. He needs, we forgive you. And Oxycontin is synthetic heroin, and it's the same thing. But in our minds, we make one light, and we make one heavy. It's the same thing, literally the same thing. It's heroin and heroin. And yet we make one, you're forgiven. When you make one, dude, that's heavy. You've put needles in your arm. And that's how we do it. That's how we do it. That's how we, you, and I do it. So we're guilty the same. This is what James chapter 2, verse 10 says. If you keep the entire law, and you're guilty of just one, you're guilty of the whole law. If you keep every single thing, 300, excuse me, 612 of these dudes, and you miss just one, you're guilty of all of them. And it's like, 
mm, there's a weight on me. Experts of the law had all of them memorized, and they said, which one's the greatest? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And this is why that was significant. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. So immediately, it was not like these guys said, oh, this is a breakthrough. We should love the Lord with all of our hearts, souls, and mind. Like, uh, I think he probably took a step back and said, yeah, so you're just quoting the law that we know by heart that they would say we know better than you. But this is like the game changer right here. It's the game changer right here, and I'm going to show you why. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40. On these two commandments depend all the law of the prophets. So this is it, watch. You got Genesis, Exodus, Exodus excuse me, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You got the first five books of the Bible. And there's great stories in there, but there's tons of laws. 613. They added some, they would take some away, but they knew them by heart. You know these books backwards and forwards. I could blindfold you and point to a spot and you could quote it. You know all this stuff. You, you pride yourself on keeping the heavy ones, and even though you don't keep the light ones, you still, you're justified by what you do. You balance it out. I'm going to do more good than bad, more good than bad. And this is what I tell you, love God and love people. Well, I got the love God part, but what? I'm supposed to consider those lowly people as, 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 as much as me? Like, like, I'm supposed to love them as much as I love myself? Seriously? He's like, yeah, and, and here's the deal. Love is the foundation for everything. And if you miss love, you've missed everything anyway. And this is it. I need y'all to get this. And if you don't get this, you've missed everything. You've missed the last three weeks. You've missed everything in Scripture. This is huge. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a quick thing. And I think it's, I think it's life-changing. It's, it changed me. It really did. Because this is it. So often in my life I've looked and said, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to change, I want to do all these things, I, I, want, I want people to know, I want, ah, I want, I want, I want. And we miss love. And we miss the why behind love. And we think, God of the universe, right, God of the universe, looks down on me and says, dude, you're terrible. Like, look what you've done. Look at the sin in your life. Why would I love you? Why would I care to forgive you? Do you know what you've done? And that's how I consider God, because I think, I've just, I've just got to do all these things. I've got to do all these things. And so it doesn't become part of my culture. This isn't me. What's me is maybe, maybe God doesn't hate me. 57 out of 100 say, if my good outweighs my bad, God will love me. You know why I think that is? Because they've never gotten it. So this is, I'm telling y'all, sometimes God's just crazy. And it's awesome crazy. And sometimes he talks through you or in you, and you're not even ready for it. And it's not about a message it's just about a conversation. A friend of mine, he's actually in the room right now, and I were talking about adoption. And we had just, like, had, we were just talking. I was driving down the road in Greenville. And adoption came up, and I was like, I don't know what we were talking about. And, I, like, after I said it, I didn't even realize what I was saying. Y'all ever do that? And, and then I started thinking about it, and I was like, do you believe that? Like, you said it, but do you believe that about you? This is what I told him. We were talking about loving another kid, adopting them. When we had Laney and Haston, and I'm telling you, I love those babies. I, I joke about them, but even though she does what she can to get by and she acts entitled sometimes because she deserves things like we all do, right? That's my babies. And it would really get ugly if someone messed with them. 
my neighbors right beside us are the Andersons. We love them. They're so cool. We play, our kids play together and stuff. And they had little Perry, I think she's four years old. And so Lainey plays with Perry all the time. And then um, about a year and a half ago, they adopted a boy named Dace. So they chose to have Perry. They thought about it and they had a, a baby girl. And then a couple years later, they decided not to have any more biological kids. And they went and found a little boy. Now, if you're in their home, you can tell which one's adopted because they're pasty white like I am. And they have a little cutest African-American little boy you've ever seen. Cutest little black boy ever. Like, I want to take him home so bad. He's so cool. And he comes over and rides on a little swing and stuff, you know, and we love it. But, like, this is the thing. When I watch them, I see the joy in them just as much for days as I do Perry. And I've often thought, how does that happen? And this is what I realized. Um, Lee and I don't know if we're going to adopt, but we're praying, you know, down the road, maybe something. But, like, at some point, I chose to have two kids, and we prayed through it, and we wanted to, and y'all did the same thing, some of you. And then some of you decided that our hearts were going to be opened and we weren't going to have more kids. We were going to choose to love someone that didn't deserve to be in my home. And the reason they didn't deserve it is because they don't have my last name and they don't have my blood running through me. But I love them and I choose them and I walk out and I meet them. And then I look at them and when I see them, they're in Anderson because that's what my next door neighbor's names are. And when Days grows up and he's 18 years old and people look at him and say, you don't look like your mom and dad, he'll smile and say, I'm an Anderson. I'm an Anderson. And they'll look at him and say, what? How does that happen? I don't know. But they chose me for no reason. For no reason. No benefit to them other than they wanted a little baby. They chose me. And they loved me and they made me one of theirs. They didn't go through the process of birth. They went through the process of adoption. And they chose me. And they love me. And the honor in that, to me, is almost greater. I want you to think about this. Some of y'all are adopted, by the way. And what an honor for your parents to pick you out and love you. How much more are we loved by our Heavenly Father? Five times in Paul's letters, he said... He used the word adoption. He said, you are, we are adopted. We are of the adoption of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are part of the family of God. Now get this. I'm fixing to get Pentecostal, so I need y'all to really put the seatbelts back on. I need y'all to get this. This is flipping nuts because does, this doesn't make sense. If this makes sense to you, I need you to come up and I'm resigning right now because this doesn't make sense. I am a sinner. I look at my life and I say, oh my goodness, look how terrible I am. And then I look at other people and I say, look how good they are. And I, and I think all these things that I want to do, oh God, I'm so bad. I don't like this anymore. I don't like this. And he says, no, I choose you. I love you, son. I love you, daughter. You're mine. I love you. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. God, you don't understand. You don't understand. Look, no, really, look at me. Look at, look at what I've done. And, and, and back in the day, in Israel, they were part of the family of God because who they were. But when Jesus came down, he gave all of us the right 
to be children of God by doing this. And this is what's crazy. It would be like me taking Laney or Haston and saying, I want to adopt all of you, but first I'm going to let her die for you. What? No! No, 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 no. You, don't, you can't do that. God, I'm not worth it. Yes, you are. You're my son. You're my daughter. I made you just like I wanted to make you. I make no mistakes. I don't need anybody else. I wanted you. I made you to be my son and my daughter. You have my, my kinship. You are grafted into my family. When people see you, they see me. And like this is where my issues come. I am an adopted son of the king. John chapter 1 verse 12. To those who received him, who believe in his name, he gives the right to be called sons and daughters of the king. Are you kidding me? For nothing I've done but what he's done in me. He gives me the right to be called his son. He's my father. Why do we call God God the father? Because he's my father. For nothing I've done, not because I preach, not because I do good things, for nothing other than to receive him. So like days and some of you that are adopted, sitting there as a lost kid, as an orphan wandering the earth, my choice to keep wandering and hoping someday that I'll find, I'll find hope I'll find peace, and then maybe someday I'll be adopted. And you never do. And it's frustrating, and you're all alone. And this is what I love about Romans. Paul says, at just the right time when I was helpless and hopeless, I had no hope in the earth, Christ came and died for me. That he demonstrated his love for us, verse 5, chapter 5, verse 8. That he demonstrated his love for us, that while I was still a sinner, I didn't deserve any of this. I'm not in his kinship, I'm not one of his but he came and he died for me. He rescued me. And this is what he said. I want you. I want you, son, son, daughter, all over. I want all of you in my family. But this is the deal. You can't believe it's what you did because you miss it all. It's what I did. It's all about me. And this is what it boils down to. And this is where we get to religion or relationship. Is it what I do or it's what he's done in me? Like, are you a part of the family or are you not? Are you a part of the adoption in the family of God? Are you a part of the, the ones that hope and you do good enough and you get by and it comes down to the why? Why do we love God and love people? <laughs> How can we not? How can we not? He loved me enough to adopt me into his family, to give me a home and a future. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I don't understand what God does. But he loves me. And he says, he says, by this, all will know that you're part of my family. John 13, 35, every man will know and every woman will know that you're part of me if you love one another. That's why we love people. To bring glory and honor to the king who looked at us and said, you don't deserve it, bro. You don't deserve it, daughter. But I love you. And I made you just like I wanted to. And I love you so much that I'm giving you my kinship, my ring, my robe, my honor, just follow me. Just follow me. It's the why behind the what. It's not what you do, it's why you do what you do. That's what makes everything about a man and everything about a woman.
And this is what I need to know today. Have you in your life chosen religion or relationship? Because so many of us would say relationship and yet walk out the door and deny that with the way that we live. Hoping that God doesn't hate us. Reading our Bibles so that we get them off our back. Not because we get to talk to God. We pray when we need help. We don't pray because we get to talk to our fathers. Our adopted king of kings. It's the why behind the what. You will be miserable the rest of your life, friends, if you just try to get God off your back. But the minute that you trust him as Savior and Lord, it changes everything. It changes everything. And I just want your honesty today. So many of you, if you were honest, would say I'm part of that 57% that has just tried to be good enough. You're not. But you know what? God loves you just where you are. And he sent Jesus to die for you to take your place. And it's just as if you've never sinned. You're free indeed, and he saves you once for all. Will you bow with me? With every head bowed and eyes closed. We're going to be brief, but this is the most important time in the history of your life. I'm telling you, I believe some people in here, this is going to change your life forever. I just want you to say this, Pastor Mark. I am truly one of the people of religion. Maybe I'm not religious at all but I'm not an adopted son of the king because I've never trusted him. I've never given him everything. I've said a prayer. I've gone through the motions. I've never done any of that. More than anything else in the whole world, I want Jesus today. I want to receive the gift of adoption and be an adopted son like days. Only this is for eternity forever. If you stood before God right now and said anything but because I've trusted Jesus as my Savior, and I'm a son of yours, a daughter of yours. You are not justified, and you face certain death. What we want to give you is a gift into the family of God, and it's not something we do. It's something he does in you. So on the count of three, if you want that gift, if you want to be adopted into the family of God, if you want to be saved one time for always, I don't care who you are, where you come from. God is no respecter of persons. He loves you all and wants you all to be in his family. On the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand as high as you can and keep it up. Keep it up. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. Just keep it up. One, two, three. Wherever you are, I want you to keep your hands up. Keep it up high. Keep it up high. Keep it up high. Who else? Who else? Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now as high as you can right here. Who else? Who else? We have two so far that have raised their hand and said, Jesus, I want to be, I want to be a son or daughter of the king. Guys, we're going to give you a couple more seconds. Listen to me. You can go home, you can go home, and you can get a million dollars dropped in your lap, and I would hope that for everybody. That'd be awesome. But you'll never experience peace like being a son or daughter of the king, being freed, not having to worry, is what I do going to make me good enough? Nope. But guess what? What he did is beyond good enough, and he loves you. Anybody else want to raise their hand and say, Pastor Mark, that's me. That's me. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. Everybody look at me. If you, if you got that uh, clipboard just now, we want you to uh, begin to fill that out. Take it back to our Next Steps desk. And we have some uh, awesome people that want to talk to you. We want to help you take your next steps in following Jesus. And, and here's this, listen. And being our brothers and sisters in Jesus. How awesome is that? Like when you hear people say our church family, it's not just cliche. That's part of our culture. We believe that you're our sisters and our brothers. There's no one better than you. We're all sons and daughters of the king. Like when you leave here, if you're hopeless right now, 
That should give you so much hope. You are a son or a daughter of the king. My goodness, are you serious? I don't deserve any of that, and yet he loves me and gives me his good gifts. And I'm just telling you, I can do a cartwheel right now, but I can't really do one, so it would have to be the Holy Ghost. Um, let me give you all a couple things. Let me give you all a couple things before we leave. First of all, I am so pumped up that two people said yes to Jesus. Are you all excited about that? Is that not awesome? Um, that's huge. Hey, look, every lady, I need you to raise your hand as high as you can. It doesn't matter how old or young you are, every lady in our church. All right, this is how many people I want to stay right now, all right? We have child care, we have food. So, like every man should be like, sweet, I'm in, because I get to go home and watch TV. But um, we have child care, we have food, and we want you to stay. And this is the goal, uh, full-week Bible study, starting right now after service, uh, women only. And we want to teach you together, love on each other as sisters, right? Sister, sister. We want to teach y'all, it's a little weird, but it's good, go with it. We want to teach y'all how to dig deeper, how to, how to find amazing truths in Scripture, how to, how to tell people your testimony, how to love God and how to love people. That's what we want. So everyone's invited. We want y'all to stay right now. Seriously, we, have, we, have, we are going to feed you and your kids. So y'all stay. It's going to be awesome. Second thing, August the 11th and 12th, August the 11th and 12th, we have the coolest thing ever for your kids. This week on social media, we're going to put the video out that Corey did that is awesome. It's a little bumper promo, but it's called I'm Not Ashamed. It's when they go back to school. We want them to not be ashamed of the gospel. We want them to love church and tell their friends about church. Why? Because they're sons and daughters of the king, right? And we want other people to know that it's the best thing ever. There's no life better. Sometimes it's really hard, but, but we're free. And so we're going to do that. We're going to show you that video next week. It's going to be awesome. Listen, here's the deal. We're going to close in worship. I want you all to lift your hands up, and this is what I want you to do. In everything we do, this is what it boils down to. Am I living right or am I not? Is what you're doing honoring God. Is what you're doing honoring your father. Because if what you do honors God, the why behind the what gets answered, and we love God and we love people. So as we leave this week, let's be the church, but let's be the family of God. And through us, show people that we love each other and them because we love Jesus. We love y'all. Stand and worship with us as we go.